Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of Her Story. This is your host, Cassidy Reed, and today I am talking with my guest, Lara Poe. Lara is a Finnish-American composer who is currently based in London. In this episode, Lara and I discuss women composition, her life and career, and her current projects, as well as what her composition process is like during the pandemic. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. Please like and share with your friends, and I will see you next Monday. Hello, I'm I'm Lara, and I'm a composer. Where I'm from is an interesting question because I've sort of mostly lived in Boston, but I'm half Finnish, and I'm currently living in London. So you got kind of an eclectic experience in life of living in a bunch of different places. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so my first question for you is, uh, what got you started in music in the first place? Well, I mean, neither of my parents are professional musicians, but my dad's a pretty good pianist. So we had a piano in the house and he'd practice just like in the evenings after finishing up work. So, you know, I got interested in what he was doing and he kind of started showing me the basics and then decided to get me another teacher. That's pretty much that. That's great. And... I was reading your bio that you sent me and you had you had put in your bio that you attended the New England Conservatory's preparatory school. So what yeah. was that experience like for you? It was great because I wasn't doing that much music stuff in school. So most of what I did music was was kind of concentrated to weekends. I got a lot of theory. I got a lot of ear training. I met other composers who were the same age as me and like just kind of... See, this is something I hear so often from people is that they're just, they don't, don't get to connect with other people who are doing that thing at that age. And I'm just so happy that I had that chance, you know? That's a, that's great. So your experiences were mainly positive there at that yeah. school? Or were, yeah, that's awesome. And you had mentioned that it was very different from your public school experience. Can you delve in a little bit more on what those differences were? I mean, aside from you're at a music school now. <laughs> So the way the prep school runs is it's just, you have a bunch of classes and it's, everything happens on Saturday. So I'd be doing my normal school on weekdays and then Saturdays I'd go to NEC prep and just be there the whole day and do music stuff. What a great experience. And I I feel like it's also hard when you are a student who is a pianist and is interested in composition and things like that. You're talking about how you felt lucky that you were around people that had the same interests as you at that preparatory school. I think it's a lot harder Mm. for people that are not in your stereotypical ensemble based primary instruments to get that experience in public school. Mm. Yeah. Because the way music's designed. I mean, like there was a school orchestra and Mm. a school string orchestra and like a band in my school and a chorus. And I was in the chorus and I took part in the string orchestra and I was even in the wind band at one point just doing very, very basic flute stuff. 
basically what that means for me now is I can make a noise on a flute head joint, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, just the concept of there being other composers my age, it was actually a bit of a shock when I went to college and nobody else had had this experience. Yeah. So why did you decide to pursue composition? I don't really know if it was a conscious decision I made at any particular point. It just, I got drawn into it and Mm -hmm. I kept doing it and I kept doing it more and more and more. Were you drawn into it from your experiences being in that preparatory school or was it prior to that when you were younger? I mean, like I said, it's a gradual process really. Mm -hmm. So when I started piano lessons, a couple of years into that, I just, and you know, even a bit, well, at some point I just started improvising random things and then trying to write those down. Mm-hmm. And at the preparatory school, there was this one class that ran on Saturday mornings where there was like a group of us. Most of us were performers in some capacity as well. And we'd sit around and play each other's pieces to each other pretty much and write things for each other to play so they'd often end up being very interesting instrumentations (laughs) (laughs) what a great experience just to have that at like such a young age because i feel like a lot of composition students don't end up having experiences like that where they're writing for people actively in their class to perform until they're in college yeah i know i i quickly realized that when i got to college What were those collegiate experiences like for you as a composer and as a woman composer as well? I mean, I'd say I did notice that there were always more men, but somehow it, and I I have studied with people who were also women, although most of my teachers have been men. I didn't really feel like anyone made it into an issue, and I did feel like I was taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So there, that wasn't really an issue, but I have colleagues who've had big problems with this. Were those um, issues happening while they were in college or was it more in the professional realm of things? Perhaps both, actually. I'm not entirely sure why I haven't run into these problems <laughs> per se, but I've always been very lucky to have supportive mentors. Yeah, and that's great. And you had mentioned that the majority of your teachers were male, and that's the same for me as well. Um, All of my private teachers were men. I had one Mm. uh, music teacher in school that was a woman, but otherwise it was very male-dominated. And it's the same way in composition, right? It's a very male-dominated sort of area of music, right? Um, My current teacher is... My current teacher is male, but my... So I'm doing a doctorate at King's College London mm-hmm. now, and my current teacher is a man, but my secondary supervisor is a woman. So why do you think there is that sort of lack of representation piece in composition? I mean, much of it's his- just a historical thing that I think is slow to change. Mm-hmm. And it is changing, but it's but we're not there yet. Yeah. Did you see any sort of representation in your program? Like, for example, were there a lot of people that identified the same way as you? Or did you feel like you were kind of an only in your collegiate programs? Let's see. At BU, 
the undergrad program was pretty small mm-hmm. when I started. What's interesting is it grew during my time, but there were always more men. Mm-hmm. And at the Royal College, I think there's there were also many more men than women. But I mean, I guess no, like nobody made a deal about it to me, really. But yeah. I did notice it. We we had talked about this a little bit. You had said that you didn't really experience any sort of negative interactions surrounding like who you are and in the program. Which, yeah, so I think that's great that you had a positive experience in your collegiate yeah. career and in your program, and you felt like you know that representation piece wasn't a huge issue for you. Um, I'd like to kind of spin what we were talking about a little bit and talk a little bit about you as a composer and exploring your music. So how would you describe your compositions, like what style you use and media and that sort of hmm. thing? Well, there's a lot of different influences. There's definitely some French influence and some English influence and Finnish influence. And probably east coast american influence as well i'm i'm fascinated by spectralism for instance but i think that i use some of the harmony of that within my work but i don't necessarily really use their way of working with time at least they haven't figured out a way of making that work yet mm-hmm. there is a lot of linear and melodic thinking that goes on but I'm, well, actually, that's something I'm working on at the moment is how to get that to work with the vertical in a more coherent way. And I may or may not have a bit of an obsession with detail. And I'm also currently working with someone else who definitely... Yeah. Do you have a particular ensemble you like writing for? Well, I like writing for orchestra a lot. Mm-hmm. Just there's so many different possibilities. Yeah. But I I like working with individual people too. Just it's some things are, I guess, I think of in the same way between one and another, just in terms of form and making making things move and keeping things cohesive. Yeah. But there's a there's differences in what you can do with things like sound color. Mm-hmm. and changing and transforming sounds, which you can do in an orchestra, but it's a lot harder to do with, say, a piano. Yeah, that is true. There's more to work with with an orchestra, just timbre-wise, I feel like. Mm. Yeah. Do you have like any sort of creative process that you would go about doing when you're thinking of writing a piece for someone or an ensemble? If it's for a specific person... I'll go and listen to what I can get my hands on of, you know, their playing Mm -hmm. and just talk to them, get to know them as a person and as a performer if I don't already know them as a person and a performer and gradually come up with bits and pieces of ideas which I'll figure some coherent way of making them fit together and relate to each other and sort of build some kind of web out of that and gradually get to a point where I can actually start writing the piece. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's great. Like everybody I feel like has a different process when it comes to composing. 
Um, and some people are more methodical about how they do that. And some people are more spontaneous. Um, so everybody's mm -hmm. very different. I feel like it's to each his own, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had talked about how you enjoy writing for orchestra as well. And you've worked with numerous orchestras, including the London Symphony Orchestra. Um, so yes. what were those experiences like for you as a composer working with a professional orchestra like that? That was through a, the London Symphony Orchestra was through a very specific project that I was involved in, which is a scheme they run yearly where they pick six people to take part in this scheme, which is called the Panopnik scheme. So I had a bunch of workshops with smaller ensembles from the orchestra, which is basically to test out ideas for this piece. And that was helpful. There was one really incredible thing from that was I was able to just go and listen to a bunch of their rehearsals and see how different conductors worked with them. And that was really valuable also just getting the sound of that ensemble in my head. The day itself was one of the most ridiculous and amazing things I've experienced. You know, I had 45 minutes to work with them on this piece that I'd written for them and just talk back and forth with the conductor. Mm -hmm. And I have a recording of that, which I unfortunately can't put up publicly because <laughs> of recording rights issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's other, there's another whole set of issues that I'm not going to get into here, but <laughs> more, more recently, I actually was, I had another project which actually resulted in a concert with a professional orchestra. And that was with the Lahti Symphony Orchestra in Finland. Mm -hmm. So that was also going on during this whole pandemic situation. So that was very surreal in many ways. Yeah. I'd been locked down for, you know, however many months at this point. Mm -hmm. It's mid-August. I go to Finland and, you know, quarantine for two weeks, basically. And after that, I go to, you know, these rehears rehearsals with, like, live people in a room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it culminated in a socially distant concert, so that was very surreal. And I haven't done anything like that since. That was mid September. Gotcha. Well, the mo one main thing I've actually had performed during this, aside yeah. from like various virtual things, which I've been also working on. Yeah, how is that virtual process for you as a composer, um, working in that sort of realm of things? I mean. It's really interesting. It's It feels very different. Mm -hmm. I guess it's been sort of tapping more into the producing slash mixing side of things, which isn't really something I've done that much. Yeah. But I've done things with electronics before, so there's that. So you so had wrote, a little bit of experience in that. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote this piece. Um, this I can send a link to, and it's on my SoundCloud. So I wrote this, I took part in a summer, online summer festival called Z Festival, or mm -hmm. Z Festival, here people would say. <laughs> but that was for soprano, flute, toy piano, oh. and clarinet, yes. So okay. soprano, flute, clarinet, toy piano, and electronics. And most of the electronics are 
either distorted instrument sounds, distorted sounds that my dog made, <laughs> or some kind of cross synthesis between instrument and dog sounds. That's awesome. What? Dog sounds. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's called The Puppy, and it's a poem about a little dog. Well, part of a poem about a little dog, because the full poem was too long, but yeah. That's cool. That's so awesome. So you did that virtually? Yes, but we figured that Zoom would be difficult for recording purposes, so we decided, well, I decided I wanted to work with everyone, but kind of do it pre-recorded, but also do it so that people could actually listen to each other. So I, I like, we started from the toy piano, recorded that, and then got everyone else to listen to that, but play their parts with the click track. And then the singer, she listened to it and just fit herself in on top of everyone else, basically. And then I got all the parts and did the whole mastering, mixing thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, since everyone was sending me takes all the time, it was also easy to source electronics material from those. Yeah. So I was kind of doing the mixing thing, but also doing electronics at the same time. Yeah. I feel like we almost have to develop a whole a whole new skill set. You were talking about the mixing and producing and that sort of thing. And yeah. Because of everything that's going on now with it, most stuff being virtual. Um, mm. It's like you have to develop a whole new skill set of how to function online. And I'm, I'm a music teacher. And so I'm having to develop oh. a way of, you know, teaching online and that sort of thing and making things work with instruments. So I do feel you in that it is a whole new skill set that we are having to develop. I actually recently worked on a project. Um, I'm a trumpet player and I had to record um, a part for a composition that a colleague and a former uh, professor of mine in my undergrad was putting together. And so I had to record a part for that. And it was crazy because I'm not a person who has really recorded with a click track before. <laughs> so that was my first time doing right. that. And I absolutely hated the clicking in my ear. Like I was trying to- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. going to be hard. It was the worst. I, 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 you know, I don't have problems keeping time. I just did not like that obsessive clicking in my ear. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, I, I did some little tidbits of stuff. I mean, I'm a pianist. Mm -hmm. So for other people's projects in this, and those were also with a click track, and it was just like, ah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Everything is so different now because, you know, normally if, you know, we were in person, we could all just meet together and just record it all in one swoop and we wouldn't have to yeah. put all the stuff together, right? Yeah, and then there's the whole issue of like, what equipment do people have? Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people are just using their phones. Yes, and that's not always the best bet. <laughs> no, but at least it's something and you work with what you have. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's another, you know, hurdle in this is figuring mm. out how to match different sounds that yeah. are coming from different sources yeah yeah and i i can imagine that trying to like hear instrumental stuff over you know zoom or whatever mm -hmm. would be a pain if you're yes. trying to teach yes it's it's very interesting because you know my my school is a google school in the sense that we use google meet uh, for um class instead of zoom but it's kind of the same thing and right you know you at least you're not using that. teams 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have like 65 kids in one class and I'm like, how am I supposed to hear them all play? And the, the answer oh, is you can't, right? You can't have them all mute and play at the same time. It just doesn't work with internet connection. So it's finding no. creative ways to still hear what the kids are doing um, in a different format. So it's kind of thinking outside of the box mm. all the time, for sure. So you had mentioned that you are also a current PhD student. You're studying at King's College um, in London. So yes. what has that experience been like for you as a PhD student? Well, a lot of it's over Zoom at the moment. Yeah, virtual school. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm really happy working with my supervisor. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's amazing and he's got so many connections to different composers from the past. It's really amazing hearing him talk about these people. Yeah, and that's great that you have that resource. Um, yeah. Are you doing any sort of research projects or things like that or um, things that you are exploring as part of your PhD? I mean, the way Kings does it is it's a written commentary on whatever pieces you write, pretty mm -hmm. much. So, I mean, I'm doing a fair bit of reading and listening just yeah. for, so George, my supervisor, has these seminars that he runs sort of once every other week or so, where we just talk about whatever music he wants to talk about. And the past couple of weeks have been about his teacher, Messiaen. Mm-hmm. So that's been really interesting. And I've done, you know, it's helpful to just read up on additional things for more context, although he does give a lot of context for everything. That's that's great that you're having that opportunity um, to mm. learn more from someone like that. That's awesome. Yes. Are these compositions that you've written yet or you have yet to write? I mean, I've been working, I've, I've been working on some songs. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to start a new piece, which I've just just gotten confirmed funding for. So that'll That's go exciting. on too. Yeah, thank you. That'll be happening in Finland at some point. Awesome. So yeah, you had mentioned that you actually lived in Finland for a while and you are half Finnish. So has that, you know, your background and your experiences living there, has that um, kind of influenced how you compose and do you use music from there in your compositions or things like that? Well, I mean, with my influences, it's not like I'm making a conscious choice to pick. I guess it's more just if I like something, I will figure out a way to use aspects of it in my work rather than lifting larger chunks of things if that makes sense yeah yeah but yeah i would i would imagine something like sibelius's way of working with structure probably has something of an impact on what i do at least and i do enjoy listening to finnish music and i find the natural landscape inspiring so there's that too yeah, I heard it's a beautiful place to go, so I'll have to travel there mm. sometime. I'm actually going there tomorrow to see family. Oh, that's awesome. The holidays. Well, I'll be quarantining first, so I don't, you know. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, we're all having to do that. It's a little, little mm. crazy right now, for sure. So we are talking about, you know, all this virtual format and having to compose and mix and do all these things that are that are different than in the past. So what are you hoping for? for the future of composition, you know, after we get out of this pandemic and that sort of thing, what are you hoping for 
in the future and it could be for your future or it could be for the future of new music in general hmm that's a big question <laughs> <laughs> yes i always end with um, questions that make you think well i mean for myself i suppose i wouldn't mind teaching i haven't really taught composition that much although you know, i've taught a bit of piano taught a bit of theory ear training that kind of thing mm -hmm. but i think that would be really interesting but the sort of larger kind of thing i'd hope for i guess for myself is just to keep being able to write and have people who want me to write for them <laughs> that's always great that's the hope right for yeah sure. where do you see new music going in the future like what are your hopes for that and with new compositions mm. what we've seen over like the last few decades is so many new directions that it's kind of been splitting off into smaller and smaller branches really hasn't it mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see where that goes yeah yeah for sure the, and uh, the the you know the word classical music has such a different connotation if you're looking at today's music then yeah yeah. historically and it has it now encompasses so many different things and so many different styles and that way and I feel like mm. that term is almost dated in the perception that you know your average everyday person thinks of when they hear classical yeah music. yeah well I mean usually I just say contemporary classical whatever that means because I'm writing for acoustic sort of more traditional instrument ensembles perhaps sometimes sometimes but yeah. as opposed to you know electric guitar although that's something that also appears in this world a lot these days yeah so yeah. the distinctions expanding. between even that is just becoming more and more blurred which is really interesting to see but yeah, yeah it's such a huge umbrella term that it doesn't really yeah yeah for sure it, it means so much now right yeah. Um, yeah and then i guess my last question for you is um thinking about you know your younger self and who you were mm. growing up and that sort of thing do you have a piece of advice you would give your younger self looking back now i mean well if i told my younger self that i'd be in london doing this i don't think i would believe myself <laughs> but i mean yeah to i guess to not be just afraid to do what i feel like i should be doing don't question it just go for yeah. it yeah yeah that's a that's a great piece of advice right concise to the point that was awesome sometimes when i ask that question some people just say like few words and then some people go off on a tangent for like five minutes so you're like short sweet to the point don't be afraid to do what you want to do mm. that's great Laura I want to thank you so much for coming okay. on talking with us about your life and talking with us about your experiences and some of your um, professional compositions as well so I'm really thankful that you came on to talk to us today thank you